0: The role of the Chief Information Officer when it comes to customer experience is crucially important, but we don't talk about it enough. And today on CXO Talk, we're speaking with Michael Rutledge, the Chief Information Officer at Citizens Financial Group. When we talk about the role, your role as CIO and the role of IT, in customer experience, can you give us kind of an, an overview of what's involved?
1: Step one is really understanding the customer needs, and I think Citizens does a terrific job of listening for customers. You know, we bring customers in, and you know, they they give us advice on our mobile app. We're constantly taking the pulse of our customers, both our retail customers and our commercial customers and we measure that Uh, we also use outside surveys things like jd powers where you know we get an awful lot of data about customer sentiments and that is really important it's really important to me uh, as the head of it that i really understand what that customer sentiment is and how we can go about improving it you know one of the fundamental things when i joined the bank was Stability. We weren't where we needed to be from a system stability perspective, and it's been a really maniacal focus of mine over the last four years, really improving that. and And we've improved it by over seventy five percent. And that that's one of the first things I heard, both from our internal colleagues and our customer base. Let's make sure that the systems that we are building are highly reliable, highly resilient, and uh, can withstand some of these bumps in the night that you get uh, occasionally.
0: To me, the gap is that you're you're focused in IT on systems and reliability, and yet customers don't think about that. From a customer perspective, you know, if you go on the mobile app or the website, it just has to work. And so, so how do you how do you bridge that gap? into really directly affecting customer perceptions?
1: If you think about what's happened the last few years, you know, more and more customer expectation is that everything can be done through a mobile device. If you look at our own internal stats, you know, the, the, the number of people logging into our mobile applications has increased over 22% year-over-year. The expectation is that people can do a lot more through their mobile device, whether paying a check-in, you know, they want to do it automatically through their mobile you know, device, whether checking their balance. And, and it really has been really trying to move some of those, what we call, uh, you know, assisted transactions to more self-service because really that's what our clients are really looking for. And to do that, it's really important that the systems are architected in such a way that you're able to remove the friction points from customers and we've been very sensitive to that in how we're designing the experience of all of our digital applications
0: how much of this is technology and how much is understanding the nuances of what customers want and then how do you how do you marry those two sides together
1: for example, one thing that's been phenomenally successful we rolled out was an easy way for our customers to make an appointment at a branch, to check in, give us information before they come to the branch about the type of services they're looking for. And then when they get to the branch, you know, they're having that tailored discussion That talks to. I want a mortgage. I want a home equity line. I'm looking for a car loan. You know, my my uh, daughter or son are about to graduate high school, and I'm looking for a student loan. So, being able to tailor those conversations is really, really important. And the feedback we've had from our customers there has been really phenomenal. You know, we've been in this journey to really transform all of our branches. So, you know, when you walk into a Citizens branch today, it's very different. From what it was before, there's less teller, uh, you know, lines. There's more open spaces. You can walk in. You don't necessarily have to go to the line and put in your card in an Ingenico device. You there's there's the, in many of our branches now. You know, our customer service reps have a tablet, and you can do leverage e-signature to authenticate, so we know it's you on that tablet without going to a teller line. So. The response from our customers has been really, really positive to that. We're also seeing the same when I if, I, if I pivot a second and look at our commercial customers, our commercial customers too want to move more to self-service capabilities. Once again, we're trying to make it very easy for them to log on to systems. We've provided a, a single sign-on portal that allows them to log on once, and then to access many of the different commercial applications that they need. We've introduced a digital butler service where they can get curated answers to certain problems very, very easily. We've we've updated our voice response systems to make it very easy for our customers to do business with us. As I said earlier, we're constantly, we measure what's called MPS, which is the score that our customers give us. Both our commercial and our consumer uh, customers to make sure that we are, you know, on the right track.
0: It's funny as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, we're a commercial customer of Citizens Bank, and I haven't been into a branch in a a long time because if I can do everything on my phone, of course, I prefer doing that. Everything it's much easier. So, or or on the website. So, what are the, the technologies? You've kind of alluded to this, but what are the technologies that go into creating that kind of seamless customer experience that you're hoping for?
1: A couple of examples of cloud-native applications that we've, we've built from scratch that are actually where the, the customer feedback has been just, just phenomenal. So, one is for our student business. We developed a loan origination and servicing platform from the ground up. In just over a year 8.5 million lines of code api microservices architecture but fundamentally we really look to improve the customer experience how can we you know we want to make sure that that uh, our customers don't have to provide us paper documents so how can we get that information how can we leverage the data ecosystem with the appropriate of course uh customer consent to go get that information so we make it very easy for our customers to uh, enroll to enroll either either do a, a student refi or get a new student loan uh you know and and the disbursement is very easy for those loans because we've really looked at the end to end process and made sure from a workflow perspective from origination all the way through to disbursement of the loan, it's very easy for our customers to do business with us. Another example of that is one-click HELOC or fast HELOC. Um, You know, the, the, the average processing time to process a home equity loan is something like 45 days. We've been able to cut that down to seven days. And, in fact, the application process now for existing customers can literally be done in three minutes, and the way that we've been able to do that is we leverage the power of data the power of data that we already have for these customers to be able to pre fill a lot of this information. We're able to do the underwriting automatically, leveraging data we already have. We don't have to go out and ask for this data, which clearly can take weeks uh, to do so. You know some of these systems have been really phenomenal. They've grown. uh, they're doubling the amount of uh, revenue that we've been able to get from some of these products year over year. Uh, and I think it's it's primarily because we've really focused on on that customer experience and making it frictionless for our customers to uh, to do business with us.
0: So you see a connection between the streamlining of those processes. And the the revenue and the customer satisfaction that you're receiving from your customers,
1: we've seen it in the first uh, I think 160 days of launching lending as a service product. We were already over one billion in in loan originations. You know we saw you know a 40 percent improvement in loan turnaround, uh, and it's really as well as being a satisfier to the customer, it's also an enormous satisfier for our colleague base. They used to have to do a lot of these processes manually before. Literally, they would get a calculator out and calculate some of these things. It's, we've made it so much easier for our colleagues who are sometimes on the phone you know, providing advice. Um, by providing this end-to-end workflow, they can see everything from the beginning um, to the end. And, and certainly, the, the, the satisfaction from our colleague base as well uh, has, been, has been really, really positive.
0: There's a very strong link then between the the ease of use for your internal bank employees as well as ease of use from the customer perspective. and You need both sides in order to create that ultimate customer experience.
1: That's correct. Absolutely.
0: There's a very strong digital transformation theme that's running through this. Can you can you link for us or describe that that connection between the digital transformation of these processes, all the things you're talking about, and customer experience? How, do, how does how does customer experience fit into the digital transformation landscape?
1: Digital transformation and customer experience go hand in hand, you know. And uh, you know, so I think, uh, and the key to a lot of this is is the data. Uh, if you can provide, if you can make it a custom, you know. Make it frictionless for your customers to do business by pre-filling information, by making it very easy for them to uh, complete applications. You know they're able to start an application in a branch if they don't have time to finish it, they're able to continue that journey at home. So he's doing those types of things, leveraging the power that we have in terms of the data that we have to make it easy uh, for our uh, for our customers. And once again, and you know, if I look at the, clients, uh, the, the client the client-facing side as well on the on the commercial business, you know we, we've launched a digitization initiative to make it much easier to enhance client onboarding and our lending processes. you know we as I said earlier, we rolled out a, a single portal for them to log on to, which makes it very easy for them and improves that that customer experience We've improved our chat capabilities. So if they do need to speak to a client service representative, they can. And it, it really fits with, you know, really Citizens is all about white glove treatment to our uh, our, our clients. And, and that fits very well with that piece because we can do both. You know, we, we really want to make sure that we're providing the self-serve capabilities to our clients so they are able to, to do things themselves. But at the same time, If they need to reach out and talk to somebody, they can. And we try and make that that process uh, very easy for them.
0: Please hit the subscribe button at the bottom of our website, cxotalk.com, so you can subscribe to our newsletter and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Michael, from a technology standpoint, what kind of transformation or change or uh, evolution did you have to make internally within IT in order to enable all of this? We set
1: out by developing a vision and a strategy. We called it the Next Generation Technology Strategy. and It had five pillars. One, the first was moving to an agile environment. How can we deliver much faster new capabilities for our customers? Second was how could we build a library of reusable APIs, reusable microservices, so I can develop much more quickly and share capabilities, leverage open source, once again, with a view of being able to build so much more quickly. The third pillar was around our talent and really making sure we had the right engineering talent um, at the bank. Um, the fourth one was about our journey to the cloud. So, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, but you know, the, the you know, the journey to the cloud is fundamental from two perspectives. One, speed to market, and secondly, to reduce our operating costs. And then finally, the fifth pillar on this strategy was uh stability, cybersecurity, making sure the bank is protected. You know, we are a regulated entity. It's very important that. As we're making all of these fundamental changes, that we're you know we're we're protecting our customers' data and that we're protecting the stability of uh, of the environments, and uh, we're very focused on that.
0: An interesting question that's come in from Twitter from Arsalan Khan, who's a regular listener, and Arsalan, thanks for listening and for your great questions. And he says. Given the importance that is attached to improved customer experiences, how do you decide the financial value of that? And Who gets involved? Is it the CFO? Is it you as CIO? How do you you figure out the value of customer experience to warrant that investment that you've been making?
1: As we've moved to an agile journey, we've been very focused on OKRs. And making sure that we understand the value of the investments, and we're very focused on iterative development, developing MVPs, testing and learning. Um, but you know, we have these quarterly uh, investments meetings where we look at all of the investments and we measure whether we're hitting the either the revenue targets, the operating expense targets, the customer experience targets. So we measure that, we report back on that on a quarterly basis. And sometimes we, we make adjustments to, those, uh, to some of those investments. You know, so, yeah, we're very focused on looking at the value that these investments are, are giving us. And, and, and frankly, moving to Agile has allowed us to react much more quickly to that. As, as I, I said you know, before, we were doing releases that were 18 months, two years, sometimes three years. Where, you know, you spend an awful lot of money on uh, you know a two or three year program to realize that. Hold on a minute, this isn't this wasn't hitting the mark. So now we're much more focused on smaller releases, incremental releases, and measuring the effectiveness of those releases on a on a regular basis.
0: That must have required a real shift in the culture, the mindset, the thinking inside. IT going from these very large, monolithic, waterfall projects to smaller, incremental, agile development?
1: Not just a fundamental change for IT, but a fundamental change for the business because the, you know, the business now has to develop the user stories in advance. They've got to get that backlog of user stories so the engineers can be developing at speed. They've got to think through, you know, what the business case is for these in advance. Uh, once again, smaller increments, uh, and so you know that product owner role or experience owner role is vital, and we recognise that at, uh, at Citizens as well. And we've been on a journey to not only, I'd say, upskill and reskill our engineering talent, but also our business talent uh, to make sure they have that product management skill set.
0: You raise a really important point, which is very often, when it comes to these types of cultural changes, we talk about what's necessary for IT, but it also must be matched on the business side because, if IT does not have the right environment in which to work, then the, the, the work is not going to get done
1: one of the important shifts as part of our strategy was really getting the confidence of the business that that we were able to deliver we're able to deliver quickly at speed and we had the right frankly engineering caliber that was able to deliver results and and we had some some really good successes early on with that and things like you know the small business administration's you know ppp program uh, after covid really helped us, actually, because it forced us to work with the business very quickly to implement new capabilities so we could help our small businesses and our commercial customers get loans. We were able to develop some of those applications in-house with in-house engineers very, very quickly. We also, as I said earlier, we we stabilized the environment very quickly as well, which gained the confidence um, of the business. We've been able to reduce the number of significant outages we've been able to reduce the number of risks uh, in the environment considerably the number of security vulnerabilities that were outstanding so that's given the business a lot more confidence in the partnership uh, that we have with technologies and and you know i would say you know we started as a bit of an order taker i would say and and didn't have that that relationship now if you had to ask the business what the relationship is and we have they would say it's completely turned around 360 degrees and we have this phenomenal relationship and certainly we can't do it without them that partnership is really really important
0: can you assign any broad time frame for the change in that relationship from as you said being an order taker historically to a much closer partnership that you have right now
1: we turned the corner year 2 i would say i think uh, in terms of at least be having that that seat at the at the table, um, but I would it's an it's an ongoing journey. You know, we're partnering with the business where we've been at this agile journey now about four or five years, um, and you know it is a, it is, we're still learning. You know, and I think it's and um, the business is learning, we're learning. Uh, you know, we've we've fundamentally changed our operating model. Um, you know, we have we we moved to what we call the modern operating model. Which was done in parallel to the next generation technology. Which fundamentally, the business reorganized how they worked with technologies to deliver new capabilities, and and we're still maturing that. You know, we're not we're certainly not there yet, um, but we've 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 made significant strides uh, in the right direction.
0: Again, it's a really interesting point that it's not just a technology transformation, but you have changed your Operating model. I, I was I was going to say, can you assign? Can you say that one is more important than the other? And I realized maybe that's kind of a, a silly question to even ask. That
1: you need to do them in parallel, and you can't be too far ahead with one or the other either. You have to do it in in concert. I mean, if I, you know, if I have an engineering team who is able to deliver at speed and deliver capabilities to market at speed, and yet the business is not able to keep up with the backlog of user stories, then at the end, we're not going to deliver that real true experience to our customers, that minimal viable product, because it's not going to have everything that the business need. So it's important you really keep them in in tandem going at the, at the same pace. And, uh, you know, yeah, I don't think one is more important than the other. I think it's vital. You, you know, you keep both moving along.
0: And we have uh, another question again from Arslan Khan who says digital transformation is about business transformation and the and he asks about the role of the CIO since the CIO has this very unusual position of seeing across every part of the organization which is which is very unusual you're not you're not siloed as a CIO
1: one of the things we've be moving towards is what we call a platform approach. And this is exactly to tackle this problem, which is, you know, I don't want to develop bespoke applications for every single business process that I have. You know, why do I need one application for student loan originations, one application for credit loan applications, one application for mortgage applications? One application or platform for home equity applications, loan originations. If I can build a set of common components that can be reused across all of them, it's going to be much you know faster time to market, and frankly, much cheaper to build out. so the the lending as a service example that I gave earlier, you know the eight point five million lines of code that we we developed, cloud native application. We've built it so it can be reused not only for our student lending business, but for our personal loans, for our credit card loans, and different different platforms. So as the CIO, you're absolutely right. I can step back and take that platform approach and say, hold on, this is how we should architect this system and explain the benefits of that to the business. And sometimes you have to make you know sometimes they will agree and you'll you you can wait and the, uh, uh, you know and sometimes you might have to go ahead and because the business is it's such a priority to the business, you have to build a bespoke application or go out and buy a, a bespoke package um so sometimes that happens, but making that conscious decision um, is really really uh, is really important. The second piece of that is you know which we've been on a journey as well is to replace our for our core platform, so you know we have a legacy uh, core, uh, and we've been modernising that platform. We, you know, we've we're actually moving to a cloud-native, modern banking platform, and once again, you know, that's based on these reusable building blocks. And as a CIO, it's up to me to articulate to our business how that can be leveraged across the broader business, not just for one particular business line, or I can how can I use that? Not just for our consumer business, but also for our commercial business, for our small business business. So it's very, you know, I I do have that unique vantage point and having taking this platform approach, building reusable building blocks that we can reuse across different business lines helps with that.
0: How do you go to the business and say to the business, folks, we need to architect, well, pretty much everything. How do you begin that conversation?
1: We did, and, and we have, and, and uh, you know what we did was we set out creating a set of blueprints and roadmaps, and you know we laid that plan out. We, we you know, we said, look, Rome can't be built in a day, right? You're not going to be able to transform all of these platforms overnight, but we've touched in the last four years a great many of them and we've made strides to improving them but i think the fundamentally the, the the most important thing at first was setting out the architectural blueprints acknowledging where you have platforms that are out of date that need updating prioritizing which are the ones that you need to upgrade first and and aligning that you know with the business it may be okay that you have a platform that's old if it's not a growing part of the business that is just working, works every day. Why touch it, right? So you just park that and you say, okay, we will put that in a maintain category. We will maintain it. But these other systems that are growth, that are going to help us grow the bank, we will invest in. And that's what those blueprints do. And and these blueprints fundamentally have to be done in partnership with the business where you lay out that roadmap to say over time, over the next three to five years, here's what we're focused on, and and get that alignment uh, with the business is really fundamental.
0: At that time, how did you approach the business in terms of arguing, uh, on the one hand, about uh, the need from a technology standpoint versus, on the other hand, arguing the need from a business standpoint?
1: I think you've got to show both, right? You've got to show what are the what are the short term, medium term long-term advantages to the business sometimes sometimes there may be immediate benefits to implementing these small scale changes that can move the business forward, but sometimes you have to show that longer that longer vision and show that over time, here's how this is going to benefit you. If you look at, for example, the core modernization journey is a 5 year journey we are you know we've started it but when we're, we're not going to be we're not going to move all of our existing products to this new cloud native platform until about 2027 but we laid out that roadmap for the business and showed them look we've launched now we we've, we've got all of our digital bank is now on this new platform 80,000 customers in production our savings account is on that platform, so I was able to launch that now I'm building out checking capabilities by the end of the year, and then I can move our checking customers onto that platform, different products one by one for you know next year. so you know I think it's showing that journey and but you've got to create business value along the way. It wouldn't have worked if I'd have gone to the business and said, well, in twenty twenty seven you're gonna get a brand new shiny system, and uh you know um we we'll be able to you know put things on it then you've got to do it incrementally you've got to show the value incrementally uh, and that's that's what we're doing we we I'd like to say we're biting the elephant you know one bite at a time we're not trying to eat it uh, all at once
0: we're talking about the impact on customer experience and so can you just again link for us all of this technology transformation business transformation to that upper level theme of how does this help customer experience
1: if you look at our digital application you know we did 970 releases last year 970 releases so we were able to take that customer feedback and really incorporate changes rapidly into our mobile app it has a four point seven uh, rating uh, on the App Store, which is you know is is, is pretty high, um, and you know so you know by building component by building this component based architecture in the cloud, we're able to deliver new capabilities so much faster. We're able to react to industry trends as the banking industry has tackled fees. You know we were able to reduce our fees and and give. Customers who, who, you know, if 24 hour grace period for, uh, you know, an overdraft, we're able to implement those capabilities very quickly. We're able to implement capabilities such as you can now see your paycheck on a Wednesday as opposed to a Friday. Uh, And once again, we're able to deliver those capabilities very quickly on the digital platforms. We wouldn't have been able to do that, you know, before. I talked earlier about the branches you can walk into a branch that the the uh branch personnel have a tablet and they can service you on that tablet you don't have to go to the teller machine we have e-signature uh capabilities so uh there's many ways that we're making it easier for our customers to do business with us when you look at our the new new account origination for for new customers that sign up, we've really made it. You know, far fewer clicks to be able to do a lot of that information. Far fewer, far fewer details that they have to enter. You know, that's making it easier for our customers to do business. We've dramatically reduced uh, the time it takes to apply for a, a new checking account, uh, you know, or a new deposit account, or a new credit card by leveraging the power that we have in the data. Uh, Here at Citizens, so I think there there's some examples, Michael.
0: Chris Peterson asks, when you were talking earlier about building blocks, blueprints, and roadmaps, and this is a this is a pretty geeky question. So see see how see how you how you'll respond to this. Did (laughs) that come from adopting or maturing maturing IT frameworks like TOGAF or ITIL?
1: When you think about the standard set of APIs that we're building, you know we leverage Bain, right? Which is the you know institute that that publishes standard APIs for the banking, uh, you know the banking industry. Certainly, from an architecture perspective, we follow you know TOGAF, um, you know TOGAF principles. So we definitely look at them. When you look from a cyber perspective, we've built all the controls. That the NIST Foundation um, recommends uh, in terms of cyber best practices and 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 building uh, protection into the code, so you know yes, we definitely look at all these types of uh, outside uh, standards and and uh, where possible we uh, we you know we adopt them absolutely.
0: This is from Elizabeth Shaw, who says, "How do you know?" Which aspects of the customer experience, from the customer's point of view, needs improvement, and then how do you map that onto how IT can help?
1: I'll give you one example: ATMs. You know, a couple of years ago, we had a lot of feedback on uh, about customers' dissatisfaction with ATMs. Now we've jumped up this year to fourth in the in the ranking in in JD Powers. On our atms and, and you know we've introduced things like you know multi-denomination so you, when you go to an atm you can ask for do you want 20s do you want hundreds how do you want your your money you can also enter personal preferences so that uh you know next next time you go we automatically know that you always get 500 dollars out and you always want it in hundreds so you know there's those personal preferences we've also made it easier if you if you don't want to carry any card and you can tap and go with your mobile device and get cash out uh, from many of our ATMs now with your mobile device. So, you know, direct feedback from our customers and we prioritize that set of uh, activity. And really, we've we've significantly improved, um, you know, the quality, I would say, for our customers of our of our network of 3000 plus uh, ATMs. Just one example. But, you know. We 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 always listen to our customers, and uh, you know we prioritize a lot of those those customer experiences that, that are raised.
0: Another question from Twitter Arslan Khan comes Khan comes back again, and he says, "How is digital transformation different than any other IT project? And can you explain this from the perspective that uh, for a, that a non IT person would understand?"
1: I'll give you one example that we've been doing as part of our digital transformation is what we call war on paper, right? So, you know, if you think about uh, in in the, you know, the the olden days, you know, if you need to prove your income, you have to fax us or walk into a branch and give us your payroll stuff. Or if you're a company, you have to give us your tax information. Now, a lot of that information now is available through APIs that I can go get. Right, with appropriate customer consent. So, you know, that's where the digital transformation really comes in of those business processes, is you know, um, how can I digitize that? Same in our commercial business. We've really digitized a lot of the documents that our clients have to provide us in terms of wanting to request um loans, etc. So we've been very focused on making that. Very easy for our clients to do everything to sign through DocuSign rather than signing, you know, manually and having to to post or fax or send that type of material in. So those are just a couple of examples. But, uh, you know, that, that war on paper, it not only is a big customer experience satisfier, it fundamentally as well reduces our operating expenses. You think we don't have to keep all this paper. We don't have to... Post it and the postage fees that go with that. So you're also able to reduce your costs by uh, reducing the amount of paper that you have. So it's just one example of, of where digital transformation fundamentally uh, replaces some uh, you know, business processes.
0: What about cloud? You've mentioned cloud several times. So where does the cloud fit into this and why is the cloud so important to this?
1: Cloud is is fundamental to to our overall um, architecture. Um, you know, we we, we started. We, we have a multi-cloud strategy, so we're on both AWS uh, and Microsoft uh, Azure. Um, we started on AWS, so a lot of the mobile applications that I talked about have all been built on uh, on, on AWS. Our data platforms. You know, we had several appliance solutions we were on the teaser on teradata on ibm big insights on hortonworks we've eliminated a lot of those appliance solutions now everything is in a data lake on aws we're able to build you know customer 360 which is a a view of all of our customers relationships with us we're able to have a product master so we really understand fundamentally what are our, our, our customers and what products they use so and we built all of that on the cloud. You know, we're moving to more real time uh, using data data streaming tools that enable us to make decisions real time. That's what our customers want. They want instant gratification, right? So, um, and all of that is enabled um, on the you know on the cloud. So, uh, and it's just fundamentally improved our time to market. So, you know, before you would have to order a server. And then you would have to order the operating system, then the database, then you would have to lay the application down on that. You know, we've automated a lot of that. We've automated a lot of the security controls. So, you know, as I build out code uh, and I put it on this pipeline, you know, now I can do releases in under 15 minutes. It It used to take four hours because it's all fully automated in the cloud and I've built in the controls. I don't need someone in security to check the code, check out the code, look at the code and say, is it free of vulnerabilities? I already, I scan for that. I automatically scan for it. I produce, you know, I say, yep, that code can move forward into production. It's free of of vulnerabilities, free of defects. So, you know, the cloud has helped us enable that. We've built uh, what we call a platform as a service, which is a sort of development toolkit For our engineers on the cloud, they're able to develop so much faster. Once again, reusable utilities. They don't have to do error handling. We already pre built that and they can reuse that. They don't need to build logging, it's already reused and they can reuse that on the platform. So many of these capabilities allow our developers to really move at speed um, in the cloud. Um, It's also enabling us to really improve resiliency because. We have multiple availability zones within the cloud. We have multiple regions, so we're able to fail over from one region to another region, and so it's really improved the availability of our most important tier one um, applications. And then finally, you know, cost. You know, ultimately, our plan is to exit our data centers by uh, 2025, by the end of 2025. That unlocks massive amount of operating expenses that we can feed back in to other things at the bank. Either more development, more new capabilities, or other priorities for the bank. But unlocking that and, and you know we, we see the cloud as as a much cheaper alternative to having our own brick and mortar and our own data centers.
0: So again there is this technology architecture that enables the agility and the responsiveness to customer needs, customer requests, which therefore improves customer experience, improves revenue, and all the good things associated with that.
1: Absolutely. You brought it full circle, Michael.
0: As we finish up, any closing thoughts on this alignment of IT with customer experience?
1: The one piece of advice I'd give is make sure you have the right talent. We, you know, we swung the pendulum a little too far over to outsourcing. I would say you know four or five years ago, and we've now swung that pendulum a little bit back. We've hired 550 software engineers at the bank. We've trained and reskilled over 400 software engineers by developing internal academies. Badging certification programs, and and our colleagues love it. They love the fact that we're investing in them. That they're able to use new technologies. These academies, they've learned thirty different new technologies, whether that's MongoDB or Snowflake or Postgres SQL, whether it's the new DevSecOps tooling that we've been able to bring in, and you know new APIs, microservices. So, you know, they have this engineering muscle. They. they People in technologies, they were computer science grads. They just lost that muscle. They were, they were managing and not doing. And so, you know, we've we've now enabled them by re-skilling them, retraining them to do again. And so I would say invest in your people, invest in your talent, train them, uh uh would be, you know, one piece of advice. And then, you know, also look at the external marketplace, bring the right talent in so they can coach and mentor. Uh, your existing talent base as well, but that's that's fundamental. I would say get the get the talent right, and other things will fall uh, will fall in place.
0: Great advice. Get the talent right, and other things will fall in place. And with that, we're out of time. And so, I, I just want to say, Michael, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. Thank you, Michael. Everybody, thank you for watching, especially those folks who ask such excellent and insightful questions. Now, before you go, please hit the subscribe button at the bottom of our website, cxotalk.com, so you can subscribe to our newsletter and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out cxotalk.com, and we will see you again next time. Have a great day, everybody.